Hello, this is Two Minutes About Time with Luke Allen and Robert E.G. Black, the podcast that takes a look at the film About Time, two minutes at a time. I'm Richard Curtis, and I hope you enjoy it. And if you don't, well, you can just travel back in time two minutes and listen to something else. I'm one of your hosts, Luke Allen. I'm joined, as always, with my co-host, Robert E.G. Black. Hello. Before Luke introduces the guest, I just want to tell you that we have a couple t-shirts now. You can check links on our social media or go to lemondrops.com and click on the store link. I have a special guest for this week, Eddie O'Keefe. Hello. So, Eddie, to those who don't know who you are, could you briefly introduce yourself? Uh, yes, I am a stand-up comedian from Cheltenham, and I also host the comedy podcast Sitcant. And on, on that, that's how I came in contact with you, the where you're currently going through Friends, and it's quite a quite a refreshing perspective of Friends, really, because you tend to either have people who love it or people who hate it, and to have both together, although I realise mm. you, you both end up quite cynical. <laughs> but, it's, <laughs> but it's good, it's great. And I think yes. it's, it's, it's a good perspective to get. Because even as someone who is... I've watched through all of Friends, but not the biggest fan, it's just fascinating to mm. hear people talk about it. Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting sitcom, Friends, because I do love it so much. And particularly growing up, I loved it. And my... My original co-host, Ollie, absolutely hates it. Uh, and we recently had Emmy join on the podcast. And she's only seen bits of Friends. Uh, so she's proper, like, in the middle on the fence, which is a really nice dynamic between the three of us. But particularly the first season, it is just awful. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry, Ollie, I promise it gets better. He is not convinced at all. Well, I, um, I was just watching something the other day about how Friends gets worse towards the end. So I was feeling sorry for you guys. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> It's uh it's a proper roller coaster. There's one episode in particular, uh, which it's just I'm really not looking forward to. It's when they, I'm not trying not to spoil it for Ollie if you listen to this, but it was when they meet Chandler's dad. Oh um yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm really not, really not looking forward to that episode. So yeah, it's gonna be interesting. And I think with all of that as well, like have either of you guys watched episodes? Because I think that's the, I love, that's the best thing to come out of Friends, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I love episodes so much. I've not finished yet, but I've seen at least the first three series and I loved it. It it holds up. I think it's all on UK Netflix at the moment. And mm. I recently watched through it all just the other week and it, it holds up. It's... Yeah. It's just, it's so like, because I did television production at uni uh, and I'm very into like how TV is written and how it works. And it's just so, so like an honest portrayal of how things get muddled up and it's really great so your first experience with about time was yesterday it was <laughs> i actually i have a funny richard curtis story i used to be in a sketch group called knowing smirk uh, where we wrote our own sketches and performed them as well as doing improv and there was a sketch someone had written about someone being trapped or someone thinking they were trapped in a richard curtis film <laughs> This is like uh, what we were talking about uh-huh. writing, right, Robert? Yes. <laughs> Very much. And it, it was a really, it was a really, really good sketch. And we were, we performed at the Edinburgh Fringe. So before we went to the Fringe, we did a, a pre-Fringe show back in Cheltenham just to be like, audience, tell us what works and what doesn't work so we can make it better for the Fringe. And nobody understood who Richie Curtis was. Oh. oh. And it was just like, oh, that's really strange. Maybe it's just a Cheltenham thing. I'd hope and that at the Fringe they'd know, wouldn't they? No, nobody. Which is really strange, because one of the jokes in the script was, oh, who's Richard Curtis? And I never got a laugh. We were like, <laughs> do you not know who he is? And then, I actually, weirdly, the last joke of the sketch was, the second person finally agreed to go on a date with the first person. And the first person went, oh, about time. <laughs> so, 
yeah, it's a nice little coincidence, but I just, for, ever since that sketch is written, we've all held a grudge against Richard Curtis. <laughs> just because, like, no, no like one knows who he is. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. So it turns out he's done so many things I like. I'm just like, oh yeah, Vicky Dibley, I didn't know he did that. And it's just like, oh, Bridget and his diary, of course. And it's just kind of like, the best episode everywhere? of Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> how are you literally everywhere? And everyone's like, oh, I've never heard of him. And comic relief. So it, which I think. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. It made us even more angry, respectively, to be like, how do you not know Richard Curtis? <laughs> I've always been like this. I'm like, I tend to say, Richard Curtis, who? I'm like, okay, Four Weddings, Vicar of Dibley, yeah. Notting Hill, I've, I've done the list. It doesn't, Robert's probably <laughs> tired of it by now. But there's, there's high chance that Richard is listening now, so hi, Richard. Hello, Richard. I'm very sorry just for our, our unwarranted it's anger. It's his fault for not doing too many you, things. Just, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Too many things no one bothers to to, what, well, it's, it's what Helen said already when she was on. She said, "Like I, lo-, but she said like everything Richard Curtis did is what inspired her to be an actress." But she never made. She knew Richard Curtis wrote each of them, but she never made the connection between all of them that they, they were all the same guy. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I think that makes sense. I think quite often you'll watch something and be like, "Oh, it's written by that guy," and then you won't mm. make the connection that the other thing written by that guy is the same guy. No, so I, I'm quite bad in general at recognizing actors' names to faces mm. and directors. I'm, I'm not very good at that anyway. I'm only but just when it's, getting to it. <laughs> when when it's so like Richard Curtis's style is such a style, and people are just like, oh, I've never heard of him. It's like, come on. So so honestly, and not just because Richard's listening, are you <laughs> are you a fan of the Richard Curtis style in general, or is it something that you find over the top or? For me, it really depends on the film. Like, I love the Bridget Jones films. Things like Notting Hill I've never seen because it just, the idea doesn't really interest me. It, it, for me, it just feels like, it seems like, oh, same again, kind of thing. But again, I love Vicar Dibley and that's just kind of got a nice, wholesome feeling throughout the series, which is... I, I definitely recommend Notting Hill. I think Notting Hill, hmm. it, it's more than you expect it to be. I think so. I think it will, because with About Time, the reason why I hadn't watched it was I thought, oh, more of the same. Yeah. Also, I also assumed, I originally thought it was the weird Justin Timberlake film. In uh, Time, yeah. Also, yeah, and I was like, oh no, it's definitely not that. It's a very, very different film to this. So I, I didn't see it because I just thought, oh, it's just it's another Richard Curtis, or another kind of this British romantic comedy style film. But watching it yesterday, I was just really pleasantly surprised at how nice and lovely it was, and it's not a bad thing sometimes to have a film of a similar feeling because it's mm. nice. Well, I've said, especially during lockdown, when lockdown started, because I've said on the show before, it was weird for me to have just had my last day of secondary school but not know it until 20 minutes before we left. Like, things mm. like that and just all of all of what, you know, the past few years have been building up to just be cancelled like that. I yeah. I struggled quite a lot mentally and still am. Like, anxiety is a pain at the moment. But Richard mm. Curtis films feel like a warm hug. I think during the current climate, which admittedly, hopefully, isn't the current climate at the time of listening, because this is probably like <laughs> October, November. But yeah, it's like they, it's, it's the kind of comfort that the world needs. No one wants all these dark, gritty films now. They want mm. to feel at home. They want something that shows them the beauty in the life that we live. And that's what About Time does. Honestly, this and Animal Crossing is just like a perfect <laughs> marriage. I'm just, I'm so happy right now. <laughs> That's the thing. I don't think I would have enjoyed this film as much if I watched it just in general. I think because of the everything's a bit crap right now, it really helped me just lift my mood up a little bit, which is what you need. You need films like this when, when you're feeling a bit sad, 
to just make you feel happy And you told us, well, you told me yesterday that you'd listened to the podcast before the film. So, was stuff spoiled? I only got to, I think, minute 14 on the podcast. I just wanted to get a a general feel of how I should be and what I should be listening out for and that kind of thing. So it was nice in a way just to get like, oh, here's what to expect from the first few minutes of the film. So I then know what to watch out for during my minutes. Okay, we did. Did we say stuff about like the dad's death or stuff in those episodes? Or <laughs> I don't. I don't think. So. <laughs> I don't think so. I know you definitely mentioned that Kit Kat has an accident. Yeah. But I think just putting on my film brain, it was obvious. Or well, something has to happen with a family member. It's probably going to be Kit Kat as they're so close, and it's just it's like. Not predictable is the wrong word, but it's like a, oh, that's, that's probably going to happen. It's a, it's a known trope yeah. kind of thing. Again, which isn't a bad, it's not a bad thing at all. It's just sometimes it's nice to have that familiarity even for an unfortunate incident. But nothing was like majorly spoiled for me. And I get it. I'm really glad, like you said to me yesterday, I'm really glad I watched the film before watching the minutes. Otherwise I'd be like, what the hell is I was going to say, because I, I think I, as soon as you said you're going to watch the film, I messaged you and I was like, don't watch the minutes. Because these <laughs> no. are, You've got, I think, the biggest emotional punch in the whole mm. film here, where it's like, I can't take that away from you. <laughs> I want you no, to... I would have been so confused. <laughs> and it would have ruined it in first. the film, I'd imagine. You'd be like, oh, it's that bit. <laughs> like, it wouldn't have... Yeah, I think... Yeah, I, I would have been like, oh, now it makes sense, but that would have taken a lot away from me, I think. But I, I will say right now, I didn't cry during the film, but I definitely... I felt all warm and fuzzy, and there was bits when I was like, oh, this is where... I probably would have cried in the cinema, but I'm a big emotional person. I said, I said, mm. I think in last week's episode that a couple of days ago, even though I promised I wouldn't rewatch this film until we finished the show, I rewatched this film on Sunday. I <laughs> uh, sat down with my family. Shut up for most of it. It was very hard after this level of analysis to not go to my parents. And be oh, look at the lighting there. <laughs> so I was like, for the most part, there were little bits where I was like, isn't that clever? But for the most part, I was just quiet throughout it and. I cried at... I cried at when the baby was born. I don't know what happened there. I cried at when the first child was born, and that that whole thing. I then mm. cried at the uh, Golden Them Hills montage, at the second part <laughs> of the plan. I cried at this, and I cried at the end scene that we discussed <laughs> next week. I messaged Emma Freud afterwards, and I was like, after, even after knowing the film Inside Out, please tell Richard that I was still a blubbering mess <laughs> by the end of the film. So yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because I I will cry at a lot of things. I cry at wrestling a lot, which is really sad. <laughs> but my my favorite wrestler ever came back from retirement after nine years back in January, and it's just one. Of, it was a big surprise. No one knew it was going to happen, and thinking about it now still makes me tear up, which is just really lovely. But it's also men in tights pretending to fight, so <laughs> it's very a weird juxtaposition. Yes. Yeah, so today's minutes. We're looking at, in this Monday episode, 111 and 112. And it's a good place for a minute to start, actually. Mm. Like, this is one of the... It really is. Like, because we've had weird places for minutes to start and stop. (laughs) My question is, Robert... Yes. More for you, because we discussed it last week. He says, can I go downstairs? And then then we cut to a shot of him walking upstairs. Uh Uh-huh. Was he lying to Mary, or is his house just that you have to go down to go up? Like... It, it confused me a bit. Well, down on the first floor, you can you might go up to get into the right place, but I assume those those are the same stairs that go all the way at the top, so it doesn't make sense. So I guess he was just lying to Mary. I don't know if he was lying. I think they said the line of dialogue, and then like 
I think maybe he screwed up and said downstairs, and mm. no one caught it. Hang on, I've just realised. So he's gone back in time through his house. So does he have to travel to London? Not to London, travel back to Cornwall to have this moment with his no, dad? No, because he, he, he just has to travel to somewhere where he was at that time. So he just has to travel to some time where he was home. Oh, and then he'd he'd appear out of his house yeah. into the Cornwall home. Okay. Otherwise, that'd be a massive pain in the ass. <laughs> just just try like, just leg it to London. <laughs> well, actually, this is one point which I forgot to say earlier on, like way earlier on when he proposes to Mary, is mm. that the fact that he's running and he's in such a rush when time isn't an issue shows so much as to how much he loves Mary. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that was a, that was a really nice scene. Because I, I was at that point, I was genuinely like, "Oh, I don't know who he's going to choose," and it was quite on the edge because I just want him to be happy. But yeah, that's a such a good scene. Tim goes to to see his dad. I, incidentally, Robert, this week I haven't got your notes on the side of my script. Oh, that's so, too bad. That's a good. One so I right might. Here. I think I know this bit well enough to know who says what line, but I don't even have that this time. So it's just. Oh, can I jump in? Yeah. Quick? yeah, yeah. I like when Tim's walking up the stairs. I. I think it's intentional. I really like how everything in the foreground is black and then there's like one light right Up at the end which yeah. shows like, yeah, I think it's really nicely lit and shot. And it happens a couple of times during this next couple of minutes where there's always darkness around them when like him and his dad are time traveling. There's always like a light somewhere, mm-hmm. which I think is really, really nice. It's, it's also nice that he stops and puts his hand on the wall before he puts his hands down. Mm. Like he's remembering where he's coming from before he goes back again. So, yeah, I think it's very really nice. So this following shot of the stairs is weird. Shouldn't shouldn't work, but it does, right? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not for you then. <laughs> I like it. I don't. Oh, that the, the weird the weird handheld. Yeah, because the films had that little handheld feel feel for the whole thing. But here's the first time where it's most obvious. I like it, but I don't know why. What mm. is it? It's a, it's a bit jarring. It feels like someone's uh, like a POV shot walking up the stairs, but he's already up there. I thought I was going to turn to the office and they just start talking to camera. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a it's a very jarring shot. And I remember, I think it just for me it signified. I don't know if like it's almost like not Tim's ghost, but like maybe signified Tim then walking up the stairs to play ping pong. You, you know uh, what it is? Time to- when Tim told this story to Jeff later, that's his son. This is Jeff walking up the stairs as like a toddler. But he's gone back in time into his mm. toddler body, so he's walking up there to spy on them. <laughs> We're watching this from Jeff's point of view. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's heard about this final game of table tennis, and he wants to go see it. <laughs> yeah, so he knows that it's something important, but doesn't know quite yet why. Well, no, he's, he's I, coming I back like... as like an adult, but he's in his little like toddler body. Oh, oh yeah, if, that's a good if point. Jeff, if Jeff came back... Went back in time to before he was born, wouldn't he just be a little... Well, Jeff's sperm? already born. Jeff isn't the third one, he's the second. Oh, cool. No, sorry. Yes, of course. It's fine. We, he's not called Jeff in the film, except for the credits. It still takes me a minute whenever Robert says Jeff to be like, oh yeah, that's who it the is. The third one has a name too. <laughs> really? Yeah. Who? Uh, or do we get to that? We get, we'll get to that. It's in my notes. <laughs> and oh. Kit Kat's baby <laughs> okay. doesn't have a name. That's a shame. Probably Bounty. <laughs> Does that... Does that work over? Do you have bounties, Robert, in the states? Apparently, I chocolate don't... bars. Oh, uh, okay. I know what you mean. I don't think we have them. Oh, I should I, sh- I should have said Snickers <laughs> or something. <laughs> yeah. So, 
Yeah, so the dad narrates, and it's 1720, and it's an incredibly tight contest being played by the two most physically perfect players in the history of the game. The crowd, enchanted by the younger player, are seduced by memories of the older player's illustrious past. Which is just a beautiful, like, because he's it, it, done it a few times in the film, really, this whole, this this little narration, like, while they're playing ping pong, and I think he's done it one other time, but I can't think what. Or was it just when they played ping pong? Well, Tim did it when they were running, he and Posey. Yes, that was it. When he was with Posey. Ah, oh, which was great. And then, yeah, it's just, this is, there's something so powerful even just about this. I think, I was watching a lot of stuff from Richard Curtis about the creation of this film. And he said, it was just that he was talking, he, he was having a discussion about if you could decide what you do the day before you die, you wouldn't want to win an Oscar or go to a big event. You'd want to have a normal day. And he wanted to make a film about the the importance and significance of a normal day and the and how wonderful normal life is. Yeah. And I think mm. this is the most important. This is the pivotal moment. Tim didn't go back to see his dad at like one real special outing they'd gone on or to, you know, his 21st birthday party or anything like that. Like he went to a normal game of table tennis that he played with his dad as his goodbye. Obviously we'll discuss later on about mm. what happens in a second, but yeah, it's just... Yeah, it's just a proper nice happy memory for both of them, which is really lovely. And so I, I, I like how happy the, the dad is that he's won. Mm-hmm. It's, <laughs> oh, yeah. Is this, is it this point or later on where he does that scream thing? It's there. Or earlier on? Oh, and it's earlier on. Or is it here? Yeah. He was like, I've won! I haven't won in years! Tim said, you finally got good. <laughs> What's my prize? Yeah, I think. Apart from the Olympic gold medal, of course. A kiss will have to do. A kiss? A kiss? Oh, oh, I get you. <gasps> this is it then. Once again, a good point for this minute to end! <laughs> Richard <laughs> Curtis has been doing good for the latter part of it, but he knew at he this did. point. He, 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 he went back in time and <laughs> he knew this was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> this is so lovely because both their like facial reactions are so honest and real. Like you haven't really got to say anything. Just look on their face, you know they're slowly, or Bill Nye slowly starting to realise, yeah. oh, here we go. And it's just really well done. They're really, like, because when this scene started, I knew, okay, something's happening because it's, the, the colour filter seems a bit different as well. It is something's happening, and then when it gets to that line, it's kind of like, the realisation kind of hits you, and it's like, oh, this is going to be sad now. <laughs> you, <laughs> Grab the tissues. Do you think his dad feels like he's cheating for the rest of his life when he sees Tim? Um, I don't know. I think because his dad has probably time-travelled more times than we'll ever know, I think he just kind of expects it now. And maybe he had the same moment with his yeah. dad. Maybe. Also, this could be the last time the dad sees Tim as well. Hmm. Yeah, it might it might be like okay, this is it now. Literally, this is it forever. Um, he might have just gone back it, in time the last time he saw his dad. It's only a five month window of when Tim can visit, and we know he was there for that Dickens mm. thing. And it may be this and that were the same weekend that he came to the house. How did you find out it was five months? Uh, it's the time frame between when they find out he has cancer, or when no, when Jeff is born and when the father dies, because Jeff is credited as five months old. Oh, at, at the funeral. funeral. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah, so the dad... I mean, we got any other points in 111, or should we just slide in? They're wearing similar shirts, which I thought was interesting. I thought that too, yeah. The dad's got the, the, the colour is slightly like different, same but it's kind the of same kind of colour. Mm. They're both yeah. collared and the same top button. And, and no colors. jumpers. So, yeah. He has <laughs> become like his father yes. at this point. Yeah. Mm. yeah. They both got an awkward energy, which isn't too awkward either. It's just it's a really nice balance, and yeah, I just love the scene. It's one of the only scenes where they're not wearing jumpers. I right. wonder if that makes it more personal. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I noticed that a lot when I was. Yeah, had you got? Had, had, <laughs> I, I assume you got up to the episode where we talked about jumpers already. I, I did. I, I was going to keep a count when I watched the film. I just <laughs> You'll lose count. Oh, we should have done that. There's so many. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, what you don't know is because I don't think the episode's come up yet. Is I've got a re-edit I've done of About Time, um, <laughs> which is oh, everything that Tim. Now I should do that. <laughs> Ev- everything that Tim erased is removed from the film. So anytime mm. he goes back in time and deletes something or anything like that, and it's all chronological as well, so I've just made an edit of About Time as the rest of the world sees it. See, that's, that feels like a good use of manipulating mm-hmm. film, whereas what I did was, during a Zoom quiz, my round was on Cats, the film, and one of my questions was, how many times do they say the word cat? <laughs> Which took me so long to count, and I hated everything, and I regretted <laughs> it immediately, because it took me about f- four hours to do. So. Ooh, yeah. The yeah. About Time thing was fun. And I even cried editing. I didn't even watch it properly. I was clipping. And I heard a snippet of Into My <laughs> Arms and Harry's, and Harry's delivery of horrible, no, Hateful Day. And that was it. Bam! And it was just like, oh no, am I really this easy? <laughs> it's just, <laughs> oh yeah, it's, I'm gonna try and re-edit it again now using the deleted scenes as well to add the deleted scenes into the canon of the film. So, and I'll retouch it. But I, I think I, I make this moment and the dad's death possibly even more emotional or emotional in a different way. That mm. chronologically I've gone, Tim's there with his dad and when they go into the cupboard and clench their fists together, it flashes forward to Tim on the train, say, on the day of his dad's funeral. Mm. And so like that oh. rise in music with them together and then just bam, he's dead. It's like, yeah. I watched it and I was, Thanks, Tim. I watched it while I was editing it and I was like, I'm chuffed with this. So Tim says in one twelve, "This is it. It's my final bit of ex- sorry. It's my last bit of extra time. The baby's completely on the way." He almost sounds a bit bitter about that, which is a bit sad. Yeah. But like, I can imagine why because it's like it literally is one life ending, the one beginning. But yeah, it's a really and he he has to swallow that pill early on of do I have this baby or not? Which is yeah, and it, it's nice to see that he's still harboring some of those emotions here. As opposed to being like, oh, never mind, and just carry but on. Yeah, he made the choice, but he's, that doesn't mean he ever has to completely accept it. Exactly, yeah, I thought it was nice. Talked a little bit a few weeks ago about how you could, in a really slightly sick way, compare this to Oedipus. Um, <laughs> because Tim ends up with a woman with the same name as his mother and kills his father. Just, yeah. This is what happens when I go too deep into this. It's my most proud <laughs> comparison, because I feel like Oedipus <laughs> is the go-to thing so once i did that it was like yep i'm a what proper film man now <laughs> that was that was richard curtis's goal and when you when you find it's oh, about time someone finally said it <laughs> we haven't had enough about time jokes just with the phrase about time no we could do I so remember, many of these when i saw the um the name about time in my head i read it as oh about time like really angrily <laughs> so every time i see about time i start laughing it just says oh, about time <laughs> I don't think I ever thought that, but that makes sense, yeah. Hmm. I mean, even um, Richard Curtis, when he sent the signed picture before this show came out, I think it was like, very excited about the podcast. So glad you liked the film About Time Someone Did. And it was like, yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think during the trailers, the voiceover was always like, About Time. And I was like, you can't say it like <laughs> that. <laughs> In fact, Robert, we forgot our new Monday segment again. I forgot our new Monday segment again. I tend to like to slide it between the two minutes, but it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Basically, I haven't told you this, Eddie, because I keep forgetting to tell people. Every Monday now, <laughs> we look at one of the bad reviews for About Time and Ooh. just talk about 
bad reviews because it's it's funny. These reviews are read for comic purposes, and the views of the reviewer, not the podcast host. The reviewer's name is removed to avoid any unnecessary hate or spamming. And now, on with the show. Let's go range zero to one and a half out of five on Letterboxd. There's some really funny ones here. Okay, I don't think I've read this one. I may be wrong. One and a half stars. Watched on the 12th of November 2013. It's not often that I find a film so innocuous to be so morally offensive. This movie functions as some as a somewhat one but acceptable romantic comedy based on a vaguely science fiction premise. The men in the hero's family have the power to go back and relive any moment in their lives. The sci-fi premise is really a red herring. The message of the film is that the viewer should appreciate each moment in life, a message which could have been conveyed much more succinctly and without any loss of depth on a, on a greeting card without resort to the concept of time travel. The problem is that the film is slow-paced. I don't, I don't see an issue with, and it's pretty fast-paced, isn't it? Yeah, this it is, is nine years, <laughs> nine years in two hours. I wouldn't call that slow-paced. It was a lot, a lot quicker edited than I thought it was going to be. I was like, oh bloody hell, we're here already. And I was like, oh, yeah. This gives the viewer enormous amounts of time to ponder the Pat theme and numerous impossibilities of a way time travel is portrayed in the film. A major logical difficulty is that if the hero travels back to a given moment, for example a New Year's Eve party in which he didn't have the nerve to kiss a girl, and relives that moment, then he would not remember reliving that moment. What? Hang on. I don't get that. They're trying to be clever about time travel. That's wrong. I, the time jumper would not be aware that he'd travelled in time. This would also mean the travel... Tra- we're not... Are we really going down the paradox route? Well, that one's stupid anyway. First no place. time travel story ever worked that way. No, and... Like... A time travel film was fine if they set up the rules at the start and it's explained. And we do. We set up the rules and that's it. Just think about this for a moment. I had to because there were many, many long moments while I was sitting through this poorly paced film (laughs) in which I had nothing better to do. A far bigger problem is the savage selfishness of the main characters whom creator Richard Curtis obviously means for us to like. They have the power and save countless lives with their power and to alleviate untold suffering. Perhaps even to positively influence the destiny of humanity. What do they do? Well, the hero's professor, father, uses power to give himself the apparent extra time to relive his days and to read as many books as he wants. Of course, logically this wouldn't work, but never mind that. The hero uses his power to manipulate his crush into becoming his wife using his time-altering powers. That's it. It feels less like a philosophical choice. The characters aren't Buddhists, nor do they simply choose to interfere. Sorry, choose not to interfere with the world outside their little desires in line with some doctrine of non-interference with others. They are seething, passing-aggressive narcissists who bury their anger in the world for not being ordered for their personal benefit by wallowing in the comforts of a reality which they dominate. Yuck. Okay. Hmm. I mean, it's, I liked it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just I just find it fun to read a couple of these and just talk about because we're so overly positive on the show, because we love this no, film. No, I hate it. That the, we've only had... <laughs> <laughs> that we only had, like, one negative opinion from a guest on the show at all, and he hadn't seen the entire film. He'd only seen the minutes. And he had the wedding scene and said it was cliche and blah 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 blah. So it's I just find it refreshing to give the other side of the argument a perspective. Incidentally, that won't be happening until like August when that episode goes live, so goodness knows what Richard and Emma actually think of this segment. Here's one here, there we go. About this is half a star. About time is by far the worst movie I've ever been forced to watch. This is gonna be a good one. <laughs> right. I dare say, About Time is one of the worst movies I have ever watched. On the night I tried to get my roommates and friends to watch the, the Sad Fee's Good Time, 2017, with me, 
Another friend said, no, I want everyone to watch my favourite movie of all time. And they put this on. About time is everything I hate about movies. It's just bad. It's just really bad. It's the epitome of dumb, useless shit that acts like, like, acts like it's deep because it's marketed as new and refreshing. And not afraid to be different. When it's the same utter horse that's been spoon-fed from Hollywood for the past 30 years. Right off the bat, the always bland Don Gleason, Don Gleason, first name terms, clearly, uh, says he's about <laughs> love. And that his real mission in life, you guys, finding love. No one in the history of ever has said that. You see, guys and gals, non-binary pals, this is this guy's completely different from the other jerks and phony baloney guys out there. He's about love, and he's so much deeper than all of you. Bullshit. At its core, About Time is boring, predictable... I'm going to have fun with bleeping this, aren't I? It's a, it's a fun, <laughs> predictable movie about a privileged white guy who comes from a rich upbringing and is given time-travelling powers, because why the F not, I guess? It's his biggest conflict in the movie is he's not sure if he should bang Rachel McAdams or Margot Robbie. <laughs> That's huge. <laughs> but, but, since he's, <laughs> but since he's dorky, awkward and relatable, sorry, hashtag relatable, you let it pass, I guess. The whole premise of a guy who can travel back in time to any point in his life and change and whatever he wants just sounds like a Buddy Stoner movie. The movie literally tried to be a philosophical version of Hot Tub Time Machine. I'm not a fan <laughs> of Hot Tub Time Machine, is. and I, I, I like this. Let's get back on track here, guys. Not only is this movie about a guy who has a perfect life, but it's a movie about a guy who has never worked for any of it and ends up with everything he could ever have wished or dreamed. You can feel that shallow tone of live and embrace your life and everything will be great. Oozed from this dumpster fire of a script with its corny puns and awful one-liners. It's like I can picture some rich white British dude who hasn't had a good idea in 20 years writing this thinking he's cracked the code on happiness. Look out, Socrates. Richard Curtis is the next big philosopher out here would just to be happy to be alive, guys. Well, thanks for curing my crippling depression, Richard. This is... He said that this is one of the worst films he's ever seen, didn't he? Yeah. Has he seen Cats? I haven't seen, seen Cats, cats and this was 2013. Yeah, that's a good point. He's seen Hot Tub Time Machine. <laughs> just as, as a side, I'm going to send you Cats, because you have to watch it, and then we're going to do two minutes about Cats. <laughs> Oh, it's it's something it's lovely. I wanted to catch it in the cinema, but I think because of I how expensive it, cinema I saw it twice. Yeah, I so rarely go to the cinema that like I don't know, I couldn't justify it. The last film I went to see a cinema was in January when I went to see Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, which mm. I realised did so badly in the UK, I guess, with hardly anyone knowing who Mr. Rogers is, that the DVD came out a couple of days ago and I couldn't find it anywhere. I had to order it online. Oh wow. Like, last film I saw was onward in the cinema. Me too. Same as you, Robert, yep. right? Yeah. Oh, such yeah. a good film. I still haven't seen that either. I'm really behind. Oh, I, I cried yes. in that film. It's so good. But back to the adventures of the time-travelling simp, where he uses his newfound powers just to manipulate a pretty one-dimensional woman because, hey, on top of writing preachy bullshit, why not make all the women in the movie boring and bland that have no personality outside of the men they're married to? Hashtag feminism. Into loving him. Margot Robbie has no personality in the film at the start because that's how Tim viewed her yeah. at that point. Rachel McAdams does have personality, and the more in-depth we look into it, the more of her character we see, that how beautifully written it is that in the few moments we spend with her, she's a fully-fledged, well-written character. The whole premise of this movie stinks. It reeks of ego and privilege. A film that tries to put its name out there, among other science fiction movies that explore themes of love. It's not a science fiction movie, though. No, He's really made isn't. it clear in press. He said it's not a science fiction film. It's, a, it's an anti-time travel, time travel film. I think time travel in this is as the Beatles not existing is in Yesterday when he made that. Here's the rules of the universe, let's tell a story with it. 
like, do you, Robert, do you count Groundhog Day as sci-fi? No. Uh, no, well, definitely not. This at least has an explanation for what's going on, though. It's closer, but it's not. So they say, themed to love and heartbreak, like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, or Her, which came out the same year and is a far superior movie. I haven't seen Her, but oh, I'm aware true. of it. Misses the point of these films in every way possible. Simply, living your life is not the answer to happiness. By the end of the movie, nothing is accomplished. He's not doing it. You see, truly living your life is tearing this film apart two minutes at a time and seeing how beautiful it is. (laughs) I would be intrigued, Eddie, if you ever did something like this with cats. It would be. I was thinking about it at work earlier, and I would just be two minutes of me laughing, because it's so terrible. Like, it's on without any question, it is the worst film I've ever seen. And it's so bad, I've accidentally fallen in love with it. Like, it's just incredibly terrible. And everything, every time I watch it, which has been at least four or five times now, which is five times <laughs> too many, I've just, there's more things I notice. like, oh, that's terrible as well. Oh, that's even worse. And, yeah, oh. How strange. Because, like, I think, Robert, you've managed with The Room, haven't you? I know that's more, yeah. more known as Structurally, at least, that has a lot more interesting stuff. Cats. Barely does. <laughs> Yeah, the room is uh is terrible, but it's terrible in such a different way yeah. to cats. Whereas cats was supposed to be good, and it was it was like really trying to be this big blockbuster, and it just didn't work. Whereas room is like a weird passion project that is just misguided and terrible. Mm. So yeah, I mean I get that. My my next I I think I tend to just do films I like. My next project is Lamers. I never seen Lamers. It's a good musical. <laughs> I mean, do you I've know very mixed things? I mean, if you, I mean, do you know much? I mean, have you seen any version of Lemurs? The like much about the story or the stage no, show? No, my or... my school did it back in the day, but I didn't go see it because I couldn't be bothered. But everyone was talking about Lemurs in school because it was it was the big production the year eleven were doing, and I got sick of people talking about it, so I just haven't watched it out of spite. My sisters watched it like thirty odd times the the musical version. Hmm. And then we've seen the TV miniseries. She's partway through the book, which is a pain. I got about ten pages in and gave up. <laughs> I love it, but Victor Hugo, who wrote it, is a massive tangent man. Like, there's a minor <laughs> but significant character of a bishop. It opens with, in, in extreme more further detail, basically like, here's some stuff about the bishop. He once saved a man on death row or something, and then it's like, he then did a sermon about this. Some people liked it, some people didn't. Also, he's short and has to stand on chairs and has to reach a book. He likes reading, but he also has to, I don't care! <laughs> it's just, I don't get how anyone got past there to make the films or the music. It's a really powerful story, so I think it's on Netflix. You need three hours, but it's a worthwhile three hours. Anyway, back to this review. By the end of the movie, nothing is accomplished yet. And I think that's great. I think it's good that nothing major is accomplished. It's a personal story. Stuff's accomplished in Tim's life, but it's not like a big mainstream thing. Tim's had all of this stuff, which he ca- he now cannot share with anyone until Jeff is old enough. But he can. Hmm. And then he, remove sharing it. Or, well, I guess, yeah. He could just Kit tell Kat, people. Maybe. He could... Just, hang on. Does Kit Kat now not know? No, she wouldn't know. Because he never went and did that. About Time is nothing more than a feel-good movie that uses the same tropes of all romantic comedies, but tries to write itself as much deeper than that. Like it's a challenging, compelling film about life and love, but it just turns into a whole sticky mess of cliches and a whole lot of nothingness. About Time is cheap, boring, and lazily written about a a lame white dude getting everything he wants and not working for it. But it's fan base of the, yeah, I totally relate, bro, and I wish I could find a man like that, won't see it any different than that. I can't express any more how much I hate this movie. Bill Nye is kind of fun, though. (laughs) That's the review. (laughs) By the way, in terms of legality podcasts, 
would anyone have an issue with us reading out their reviews? No. I realize we've, we've done this quite a lot. Well, they exist because they want them read. They're essentially published. That's true. We've then got the whole my son, my dad, which, once mm. again, it's... In writing, I don't get how well it works. Right. No, and that's a big thing I've noticed with reading the scripts on Friends, is seeing it on TV, oh, this works, reading it out loud, you're like, this is terrible. There's something about that not... Just reading it is like, I can't connect with this because mm. I'm not portraying the emotions properly. So it was it was the worst thing when I was doing my... When I was doing casting for Unstable, that a few mm. people didn't have another person to read the lines against, so they used, like, a computer. And hearing your script being read out in a <laughs> robotic voice is the <laughs> worst thing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's such an extra challenge people don't even realise is there. It's just like, I'm, I, I can hear in my head how it's... How is it being said? I'll write it down. Oh, this sounds terrible. That's, that's happened a few times, because, yeah, like, I've written a line in a particular way, and then the actors have ad-libbed it slightly, or changed that way, and now I read the original script, and I'm like, I don't get how that would ever have worked. <laughs> but in my head, it mm. made, it was perfectly clear, it made perfect sense. So, yeah, I think, I think it's a thing, a freedom that writers and directors should give to their actors. So it speaks volumes of how good Rich Curtis is as a director, because it, it's a cheesy line, but it doesn't feel like, oh, come on. It could have so easily been like, oh, that's too much, that's too cheesy, and that's too awkward. But it's it's just right, and it's a nice sentimental line, as opposed to like, my dad, my son. I don't like how it was used in the tra- I hate the trailer. I've said this enough times. I hate the trailer. It spoils that the dad dies. It shows this, it shows some of the other... Basically, all the big moments in the film are in the trailer, and I'm so relieved I didn't watch... I mean, the film still... I'd imagine you could still watch the trailer and love the film, because I've watched the film so many times and still love it. <laughs> so it's not knowing what happens that ruins it. But it's just mm. the idea that you could take away that punch the first time you watch it, just by having watched the trailer first. Yeah. yeah. I think that would have probably affected me when I was when this had come out. I probably did see the trailer and thought, oh, I get it now, and let's not bother watching it. Because it, it happens quite a few times before. I try to avoid trailers as much as possible, but it's, you know, sometimes it's unavoidable. Yeah. The dialogue at this minute finishes with the, is there anything at all I can do? Is there anything you want to do? <sighs> I don't know. There is this one thing. These minutes, they uh, end so well. <laughs> it's, the, it's the smile Bill Nye does. Mm. And it's just like, he's already got it in his head. Like, maybe this is the thousandth time he's done this particular travel back in time, go on the beach. But it feels like this is the last time now. So, I mean, have we got anything else to say about 112? Just, Tim says something when he, after he kisses uh, his father that I have no idea what it is. Before the my son line. <laughs> it sounds like he says he flinched. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. He whispers something. <laughs> I've got a controversial opinion, which I'm going to leave as a cliffhanger for the next okay. episode. Okay. There we go. Come back on Wednesday. Look at that. So, Eddie, where can our listeners find you on social media? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at LizardVoicesEd with two Ds and follow Sitcant on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sitcant and on Twitter at Sitcant. And you can... Uh, no, Robert, you're next. Where <laughs> just find you, Robert? <laughs> it's not like you've done you this You wouldn't believe we've got this far. Many times. I think I'd know. With, yeah. Eventually you'll remember everything. Robert E.G. Black on social media or lemmedrops.com for links. Just a reminder, on that website you'll find the link to the store, which includes our Graham Curry Fan Club shirt and our Two Minutes About Time shirt.
Sorry, I've just realised that our next recording session is the end of the film. Yep. Oh, I've not got long to perfect it. Right. You can find me on Twitter at llama underscore bottle zero, Instagram the ginger Luke, Facebook Luke Allen Film, or Podcast Radio Prince, YouTube articles, short films, all at Luke Allen UK. This show is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Two Minutes About Time. Looks one on IMDb at Two Minutes About Time, and they can join our Facebook group, The Cupboard, to discuss all things about time and anything tangent wise. We tend to end each episode, Eddie, with an interesting way of saying goodbye. Do you know any odd or random interesting ways to say goodbye? Uh, none that are broadcastable. <laughs> The Two Minutes About Time theme is performed by Ethan O'Mahony and is a cover of the About Time theme originally composed by Nick Laird Close. Two Minutes About Time is a production of Lemming Drop Studios in association with Bottle O Productions. <laughs>